Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We're wrapping up our series this weekend on shame. And the title of this message is Get This Off Me. Get it off me. How many of you have ever walked into a spider web before? Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is the level of your dramatic response to said spider web? Is it 8, 9, Thursday night, a couple people said 14? You know, you just rip it off your face. Depends, you know, if you're taller, you probably just walk right into your face. You just tear it right off, right? Okay. For some reason, many of us are disgusted by the thought of having a spider web on our faces. As we read this text, we're going to read together, where Jesus uses his own words. I want this picture of ripping off that spider web to kind of calibrate how you see the removal of weight in your life. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I in exchange, is the implication, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Not anybody else's. Definitely not your own. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. Remember that phrase, gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Notice Jesus connect the carrying of heavy weights to our souls. It doesn't just weigh us down physically or even emotionally. It weighs us down soulishly. Jesus says, if you will exchange this burden, I'll give you rest in exchange, and you'll find that rest deep down in your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How many of you know that this is war out there? It's not just life. It's war. For we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. The problem is many believers don't actually believe that this is war, that we're called to arms as followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean literally. I mean something even more important than literally. I mean spiritually. And if this is war, I have a question for you. Why would you make things harder on yourself? A soldier in war is not trying to make life harder on themselves. In fact, they are trying to make things easier because things are hard enough as they are. When we talk about shame and guilt, this is one of the ways that we make life harder for ourselves than it needs to be. We've talked about that it was Satan's plan from the beginning to use shame to create difficulty for mankind. So I want to talk about in this first point, if, if we're going to get this shame off of us, the shame that's weighing us down in our souls, if we're going to get it off of us and out of us, there are a couple of things we need to do. Here's the first one. We need to get clear on what we're carrying. Get clear on the weight you're actually carrying. I'm going to give you three different weights 
so that if you're carrying a weight, you can see if it's maybe one of these, and then we'll talk about what to do about them. First weight, the weight of what you're doing. The weight of what you're doing. This is sin. Present sin carries a weight and a guilt that comes with it. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, people who conceal their sins, in other words, do them in an ongoing and consistent basis and don't do anything about them. Hide them. Don't try and make them right. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Now, if you read Psalm 32, Psalm 51, you see David teach us some things on the guilt that comes with sin. Psalm 32, he talks about that if he didn't confess his sins, he, he would literally rot from the inside out. Here's why. God designed the weight of my concealed sin to increase by the hour until the hour of my confession. Now, you might call that your conscience. That's not your conscience. That's the way God created it to work in your heart, in your soul, that my concealed, unconfessed sin gets heavier and heavier by the hour until my hour of confession. Why? Because God doesn't want us to carry the weight that comes with present sin. What Holly and I try and teach our kids is that there is no sin that is worth the weight it brings in your life. There's no sin. There is no joy sin brings that is so wonderful that it compensates for the horribleness of carrying the weight of my sin. It's not worth it. No matter what temporary release you might feel, there is something that happens immediately. A weight is put upon me. Now, you might look at God and say, well, that's just mean. No, it's not. In the same way, it's not mean when I extend consequences to my children so that they do not repeat their mistake or sin. That's what love does. In fact, Scripture says, spare the rod, spoil the child. See, God has set it up to try and keep you from carrying the weight of constant present sin. He has put upon us the weight until we deal with it until we confess it. Now, you may struggle with a particular consistent sin. Now, here's what I'd say to you. I'm not just gonna tell you, stop doing it, okay? Of course you should. If there's something you keep battling with, of course, stop. But I'm gonna tell you to go a little bit beyond that. Dig around in the soil of your heart and figure out the why behind this particular sin. What are you looking for? that you're hoping to get every time you commit this sin. If you don't learn the why behind the sin that, that we keep committing, we will keep repeating it. See, this is what Satan wants. He wants us to hide our sin so that we'll never deal with our sin. Because when we never deal with our sin, we're pretty much guaranteed to keep repeating that sin. James chapter 1, verse 14, shows us the progression of sin. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. So sin starts with an inner desire. 
and then enticed. That's temptation. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Okay, the first weight that we carry is the weight of present sin. Second weight, the weight of what you've done, something in your past. Brad talked about godly shame last week, and this is really what we're pointing at, that there's something in the past, and here's how I would describe godly shame. Godly shame is shame you've let God deal with and use for godly purposes. But what about the shame that just seems to never go away? God, submit to you. If you have given it to God, if you've confessed it and you still feel shame because of it, here's what I would say. That's not godly shame any longer. That's the enemy trying to replay one of your lower moments, one of your worst choices. And if you've sensed that, if, you, if that's your normal, let me just remind you, that's not how God talks. That's not how he talks. When, when Riley calls me from college, I don't answer the phone and say, hey, is this the girl who in junior year of high school did da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da? Hey, what kind of a father would I be if I talk like that to my child? Hey, that's not how God talks. There's a weight that can come from sin in our past if we don't really understand how God deals with our shame. The heavier the weight you're carrying, the more convinced you are everyone else can see it. Ever felt that before? You carry something for so long, you walk into a room, you just think everybody can see what you're carrying. Okay, again, Jesus said, Preston, give me this heavy weight that you're carrying. Give it to me. Let me carry it. Well, how do I know, Preston, if I've given it to Jesus? Do you experience rest in your soul? When you think about that thing you did in your past, what's the first emotion you feel? If it isn't gratitude that the blood of Jesus covers it, it's probably not completely dealt with in your heart. Unfortunately, and and it kind of sounds sweet, but it's actually not, we have some followers of Jesus who just think that shame is their cross to bear. I did it, I just have to carry it for the rest of my life. Is that what Jesus said about your sin? That the bigger sins you'd have to carry as a part of your identity for the rest of your life? It's not heroic to carry something on your shoulders in your soul that Jesus asked to be given to him. It's actually foolish. It's unnecessary. It's a weight you don't have to carry. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, in the same way that it would be silly if when Riley called me, I said, is this the girl who did da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da? The same silliness would exist if every time you go to have your private alone time with the Lord and you started off by saying, hey, Father, it's me, the child of yours, who did da-da-da-da, 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 all the way back there. Okay, let, let, let's point even more to how silly this would be. What would date night be like? 
if every date night with my wife, I started with all of the worst things, worst mistakes I've made in 21 years of marriage. How great would the day go? Hey, babe, remember that time, the first year of marriage, where I yelled at you because you asked me to do the dishes? Remember when I, like a child, slammed the dishes as loud as I could to try and send some juvenile message in your direction? Okay, what sense does it make to live in the past so much that I never let go of the weight of the mistakes from my past? How can I step into all God has for me if I am still bound to all that I did to me in my past. There's a weight that comes with carrying what I did long ago. That Jesus says, Preston, you don't have to carry that anymore. Here's the third weight. And I want to be really sensitive with this one. The weight of what they did to you. There's present sin that's my fault, my doing. There is shame that comes from past sin. But then there's also a shame that comes from the sin of someone else done to me. And this is a completely different type of shame. And I've seen Satan wreak havoc in the hearts of some very sweet people, convincing them this will always be their identity. Let me just say, if, if this is you, if something was done to you, something happened to you when you were younger, no matter what age, you didn't ask for it, you didn't choose for it to happen, it was perpetrated upon you or against you. Let me just say this. I know it's scary to deal with what they did to you, but the longer we carry what they did, the more defined by it we become. What someone did to you, Satan would love to convince you that's who you'll always be. This is not how God talks. Now, I understand when something like that happens to us that it's, it's possible or even at times easy to blame God. But let me just say this. Remember, we live in a fallen world. I'm not using that as an excuse I wish I could promise my children every day I send them to school that nothing bad is going to happen. I can't. I wish I could, but I cannot. We live in a fallen world that's getting worse by the day. We don't have to live in fear of that. But we must remind ourselves, there's no such thing as a perfect, hurtless life in a fallen world. If someone did something to you, can I submit this to you? That one of the best things you can do is give that weight to Jesus. Let him take it. Let him cover it. And I want to say this very, very sweetly. I don't want it to be strong at all. Don't let that person or what they did to you become what you think most about in this life. We all have a choice. Jesus is standing next to you. 
You don't have to carry that. That brings us to the second thing. We have to get clear on how you see you. If you're really gonna get this off of you, you, you gotta get clear on how you see you. And I wanna submit to you, there are really kind of two main options. How they see you, everybody else, and how God sees you. Those are the, those are the two big options I'm gonna present to you. Who's the they and how they see you? I'm gonna describe them as unsafe people. Unsafe people are people who are closest to you, who are more invested in your past than they are in your future. Maybe you have someone in your family that every time you get together for Thanksgiving, they make an inappropriate joke about a low moment in your past. Maybe you used to struggle with alcohol and you've been sober for years, but for years, many in your family defined you as an alcoholic. And there's that one member of your family at the Thanksgiving table who makes a joke as they go to toast. We should probably be careful because surely may go off the deep end if we spend too much time with this alcohol. And every time someone says something like to you, it's devastating. Here's what I would say to you. Anyone who occasionally brings up something from your past that you've already dealt with is merely doing so because they haven't dealt with theirs. And I just ask you to pray about who you entrust your heart to. Why would my children entrust their heart to me if I constantly fired, fired darts at their hearts in regards to mistakes from their past? Here's what I tell you, they shouldn't. No one should entrust their heart to someone who always brings up the mistakes from their past. Now there's probably a touch of conviction in a few marriages right now. That's the Holy Spirit simply trying to say, every time you bring up all of this, the mistakes of your spouse's past, you just need to know that's not how God talks. You're doing more harm than you are good. I've told you before, I get a lot of comments on what I do. And one of the things I've, I've kind of adopted quietly in my heart when people try and kind of fire darts, if your perspective of me is contrary to my heavenly father's perspective of me, I'm going with the perfect one's perspective. Now, hear my heart. If you bring correction, the Holy Spirit's using you to bring correction in my life, that's totally different. I'm just talking about people who say, Preston, you're this, Preston, you're that, and they don't really even know me. I have learned. I can't just see myself the way someone else tells me they see me. Because when they talk like that to me, they have clearly forgotten the God of the universe obviously saw something in me valuable enough to send his son to die for me. So I can't carry that. You can't see yourself the way unsafe people do in your life. Let me read you a verse. Jesus said this, and it's kind of mind-blowing in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. Jesus said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. Isn't that kind of funny? 
that God could be using someone. This happened with Jesus in his own family. His family said he was crazy. The son of God. They called him crazy one time. I'm sure maybe some people that love you have called you some things. Said you'd always be the way that you used to be. And here's what I'd remind you of. If their perspective of you is contrary to your heavenly father's perspective of you, you're gonna have to make a choice. Whose report will you believe? Theirs or his? Never adopt the perspective of someone who sees you through their hurt. Listen, there's a lot of insecurity right now in the world. And I don't know why humanity works this way, but for some weird reason, those who are insecure feel better about themselves when they hurt other people. You need to be really careful whose report you choose to believe. If their perspective doesn't line up with God's, why would you fall asleep believing it? Here's the other side, how God sees you. And I know there are a lot of different directions I could go. If you're not gonna see yourself the way they see you, and you choose to see yourself the way God sees you, I know there are a lot of different things I could describe, but let me try and make it as simple as possible. In one phrase, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here's how the God of the universe sees you. As his child. Let that set in for a moment. As his child. Some of you might have been wondering why I preached on the orphan spirit in the middle of a series on shame. This is why. Because I can't fully live as a son of God as a child of God, if I'm too busy living like an orphan separated from God. The God of the universe, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, sees you as one of his children, a co-heir with Christ. Okay, let me, let me ask you a very simple question. If you're a child of God, the perfect one who sent his son to die for your sin. Why would you ever remind yourself or him of sins from your past when he looks in your direction and says, I choose to remember them no more? Why? It's not what he wants to talk about any longer. Why would we keep bringing that up? And I think one of the reasons that many believers don't have consistent time alone with the Lord is because they have some stuff, some shame from their past, and they're afraid it's going to get brought up if they spend alone time with God. Do you really think that's how God treats one of his children who has confessed that sin, given it to him? It doesn't define you by your worst moment or mistake or choice. So why would you? Why would you? And that brings us to the third and final point. 
if you're gonna really get this off of you once and for all, you need to get clear on how you see Jesus. You see, Christ followers are called not to focus on themselves, but upon Jesus. See, one of the things that Satan does with shame is he gets us to focus on us. But if you wanna play dirty against this enemy, and I mean in a godly way, never carry shame Jesus took upon himself. So I'm gonna give you three things, and if you, you got communion, I want you to grab your communion elements. If you didn't get it, just put your hand up. We'll make sure you get the cup and the bread. We have some right up here in the front. Just put your hand up high, and then we'll make sure you get it. You can go ahead and take out the bread. Don't eat it yet. It's not going to fill you up. And it definitely doesn't taste like a blueberry muffin from Dutch Bros. Just hold on to it. We're going to do something as we wrap up our time together. The whole series was designed to get to one moment. And there have been many moments. And some of you might be thinking in a series on shame that there's going to be some emotional, huge moment. And I think that's kind of how Satan wants us to see things so that if it doesn't happen that way, we think it didn't really happen. And I already saw this go down on Thursday night. If you're carrying a weight, this is an opportunity for you not to carry it any longer. Communion is one of the most beautiful ways to help us understand how God sees our shame and what he wants us to do with it and what he has done about it. Scripture says that Jesus took our shame. He endured the cross, despising its shame. He despised it because he took it upon himself. He took my shame. He took your shame. And I wanna, I wanna do something. I want you just to close your eyes. No looking around. I wrestled with this this week because I felt like the Lord asked me to do something and, and I kind of went back and forth for a little bit. Because what I felt like he asked me to do is during this time to extend an opportunity to any person who's carrying present guilt for present sin. No matter how big, you're presently living in sin and carrying the weight of it. Also, extending an opportunity to those who are carrying the weight to this day for a sin they committed many years ago. A shame they just haven't seemed to ever be able to shake free from. And thirdly, extend an opportunity to those who are carrying a heavy weight from a sin that someone 
did to them. And while I know when we talk about these three very personal weights, that it would be easy in our humanity to hide them. And that's what shame does. It's what we talked about in the garden. Adam and Eve's immediate response was to hide because of their shame. While it would be easy to hide, it takes courage to step on the enemy's neck and say, I'm not carrying this weight any longer. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're carrying any of these three weights, the weight of guilt from present sin, the weight of shame from the past, the weight of shame from the sin of someone else in your past or present, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to stand up right where you are. That's what I'm talking about. Don't even wait. If you're sick of carrying it, just stand. Just stand. No one's looking around. And who cares if they are? You're a child of God. You're not called to carry shame. Jesus took it. You don't have to carry it anymore. Who else? I know that's not all. You don't have to carry it any longer. I know you've convinced yourself you deserve to. Jesus died for you to carry it for you, to cover it for you. Just stand. I don't want to carry this weight any longer, Jesus. All right. I want you to take the bread. Just hold on to it. And as we take this bread, I want you to remember, especially those of you standing, Jesus endured every bit of that cross, disgusted by the shame of it, carrying upon himself every bit of shame you feel about anything you've done or are presently doing. Jesus said, put it on me. I don't want you to wake up one morning ever again defining yourself by any of that. Put it on me. And if you're standing, I just want you to put it upon him before we take this bread. Just put it upon him. You don't have to say it out loud, just say it in your heart. Jesus, I put the guilt of this present sin on you. I put the shame from that mistake in my past on you. I know it's hard, but don't let it be hard because he's saying, put it on me. This is why I did it. Put it on me. Rub it in your enemy's face. You're not going to carry this any longer. That night with his disciples, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he said, this is my body which is broken. Listen to this next part. For you, for you, for you, for you, for you. I'm doing this for you. Put it all on me. Jesus, we thank you.
that you went to the cross all the way to the point of death to carry our shame. Thank you, Jesus, for being broken so that we might be made whole. Let's take the bread. wonderful blood of Jesus. For those of you carrying the weight of present sin, I want you just to think about the blood covenant. The book of Hebrews tells us, retells us the story of Exodus 24. The first covenant, Moses sprinkles the blood upon the people. Whereby God says, this is my covenant with you. Moses put the blood on the people. Every time I do a wedding, I paint this picture. This is what the blood of Jesus does. It covers us. You want to know why? Because God knew that many of us would be tempted to wake up every morning of our lives and when we look in the mirror, we would see our worst acts. And God had Moses sprinkle the blood on the people so that it would cover their faces so that if Preston tried to go look into the mirror and the enemy tried to bring up all of the old stuff that he's so, so remorseful over, He's no longer ashamed of it, but he's remorseful about it. But there were days Preston used to wake up and see himself through the lens of his sin and shame. Jesus knew I'd be prone to that. So Jesus spilled every drop of his blood and covers his, the children of God in the blood. I don't care what you think you see in regards to your sin and shame. The blood of Jesus covers every sin. Jesus, we tell you thank you right now. Thank you for shedding your blood. Not just so that we could spend eternity with you, but so that we could have our sin covered. So that when God the Father looks upon us, he doesn't see that sin any longer. He chooses to remember it no no more because the blood of his son has been applied to it. God, I pray over every person that's standing right now, especially that the enemy has tried to wreak havoc with and to find them as they look in the mirror by those mistakes and those sins. Spirit of the living God, I pray something super would happen in this moment that the blood of Jesus would cover them, their hearts in a way they've never felt it before. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood to cover my sin, to cover our sins. Let's take the cup. the end of each row on the right-hand side, there are receptacles. I want everybody to stand. And if you're at the end on the right side, if you'd grab those and pass them down, everybody can throw away their trash. Here's what's so great about moments like this. 
Some of us were, were kind of trained as children that for something big to happen, something emotionally big has to be felt. Here's what I'd say. I've watched someone drink for decades and in a moment, God freed them from it. And there was no emotional experience. One day they were a raging alcoholic. The next day, they didn't even have the, the hankering for the taste of it in their mouth. God did something supernatural, but there was no emotionally overwhelming mountaintop experience. It was just, God did it. God did it. Here's the life of faith. You either believe Jesus took your shame or you don't. You either believe that Jesus' blood covers your sins or you don't. Here's the question I would ask all of us. How much longer do you wanna live not believing in fullness, the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did something about your shame. You don't have to carry it anymore. He did something about your guilt. Scripture says you're no longer declared guilty, but rather not guilty. So we're gonna worship together. We're gonna worship. I just want you to close your eyes. Maybe you wanna sing along with this song. Maybe you just wanna have some alone time with the God of the universe and just love on him for what he's done in sending his son to die for you. But let's respond deep in our hearts to the goodness of our God. He speaks a better word. Satan speaks a word of death and shame, but our God speaks a better word and his name is Jesus. Let's worship in his presence.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.